Hey, cool friends, it's me, Adrian, or Aiden. Either way, you are still listening to Suso, the podcast of Oogie Spooky Scary Stories. Hi, hello, welcome back. Thank you for coming back. And if this is your first time, welcome to the Susto fam. Thank you for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoy it. Grab a seat, grab a crucifix, whatever you need to feel comfortable and safe. You all, okay, right off the bat, I have... Very, 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 very big, exciting news. If you are not following the social medias, then you haven't heard this yet. Uh, and what the hell? Go follow now. That's at Susto Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. But if you are following on the socials, you probably saw this week, I made a major announcement. I posted a video. I am so happy, honored, and excited to say that Susto has officially been signed to the Sonaro Network. This is such a huge goal for the show for Susto to be signed to a network but also to be signed to a network like Sonoro is such a huge deal to me if you don't know who Sonoro is they are a global media company developing audio first content in English Spanish and Spanglish they host a variety of different shows award-winning shows featuring Latinx writers producers and directors from over 14 countries around the world and they are the number one podcast network in Latin America so considering all of that (laughs) you can imagine that it is such an honor to be even considered to join their network and i'm so grateful i'm so excited also i just want to clarify this nothing changes for you as a listener you are you should still be subscribed to the show wherever you're subscribed to You, you should still have access to it wherever you listen and if you don't for whatever reason please let me know and i will work to fix that but we have spent some time taking care of all of that behind the scenes work, making sure that the show has migrated onto their platforms and their websites and all that. So like I said, nothing should have changed for you. You should be able to listen to the show wherever you were listening and it should, you should still be subscribed and all that. And for patrons, same thing goes for you. Nothing really, nothing has changed for you. You still have access to all the same benefits and perks that you had access to before. Patrons are going to have, again, 24 hour access, but also ad free listening. That's going to be the biggest change that you'll notice in this transition is that there will be ads on the show now. So like I said, if you are a patron, you'll have access to ad free listening. You don't have to do that. Again, you no one has has ever had to sign up for the Patreon. That's all just like extra benefits. The show is still available for free. So keep listening, keep enjoying. And thank you all so, so much. I appreciate it. One last thing before I get into the story, just make sure that you stick around to the last half of the show. I'm going to be reading some letters from the beyond there. So again, if you have your own stories, video, picture, audio recording, anything that you want me to share on the show, you don't know how to send those to me, DM them on social media leave them in review or email them to sustopodcast.gmail.com. All right, now we're going to go ahead and get into the show today, which is the story of Humberstone and La Noria in Chile. In the north of Chile, in the dry Atacama Desert, you can find the mining towns Humberstone and La Noria. They were founded because saltpeter was discovered in the desert, and soon more of these so-called nitrate towns were built. But the fairy tale didn't last long, and the towns were abandoned, but that doesn't mean they're empty. Saltpeter is a raw material which can be used to create fertilizer. 
This element was very important in the late 19th century. When it was found in the dry Atacama Desert, mining towns started popping up very fast, like Humberstone, which was founded in 1872. At its peak, 3,000 people worked and lived on site. Things were going well, but working at the mines was tough. The hard labor and the hot sun made the working conditions extremely hard, and when a man got a job there, his whole family had to join in, even his children. In 1960, Humberstone was abandoned and left to decay for decades, but in 2005, it was declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site. La Noria is even older than Humberstone and was founded in 1826. It is the oldest saltpeter mine in Chile. Many people worked and lived there, and there was even a railway line connecting the town to Iquique. When saltpeter started to become an important export product, more mining towns were founded. La Noria did suffer from the competition, but a fire nearly completely bankrupted the town in 1901. The final blow was given when synthetic saltpeter was discovered in Germany during World War II, and the city was abandoned. Both towns are real ghost towns today. Humberstone may be a museum during the day, but at night, the former residents who never left roam the grounds. La Noria is even more creepy and desolate, especially the huge cemetery that makes visitors feel very uncomfortable. But are both towns haunted? Those brave enough to visit say yes. People have experienced the paranormal for years in Humberstone. People have heard disembodied voices, unexplained knocks and bangs, and doors that tend to slam and shut on their own. Black shadow masses and full-body apparitions have been seen in the whole town, but there are two paranormal hotspots in Humberstone. Humberstone even had its own theater, but since the town has been abandoned, it's no longer a place of amusement. A very fast-moving shadow figure has been reported here by several people, Perhaps this is the ghost of a performer who had their last show decades ago. The most haunted place in Humberstone is said to be the school. Even after all these years, all the furniture is there as if school went out yesterday, ready to receive the children back again tomorrow. People claim to have seen apparitions and faces of children looking at them from the windows. If that isn't creepy enough, the sounds of laughing and playing children are heard as well, even footsteps, when no one else is around. People from surrounding towns such as Iquique refuse to go to La Noria at night. When asked what they fear the most, they'll answer, the zombies, in reference to the eerie cemetery. La Noria has a huge cemetery which was left to decay. The wooden crosses at the cemetery are rotted and weathered, and the dry air, hard wind, and the hot sun afflicted some of the graves so much that the bones of the deceased can be seen when you walk by. The open graves may have also been the work of grave robbers, but the people from the neighboring towns claim to have seen figures rise from the graves and walk towards Humberstone at night. They are convinced that these zombies opened their own graves. What makes La Noria even more creepy is the six-inch-tall human-like skeleton which was found in 2003. The skeleton is named the Atacama alien, but DNA research proves it is the corpse of a human child. 
full-body apparitions and shadow figures have been seen walking the La Noria grounds. Claims of people hearing footsteps, voices, and screams are also common here. Perhaps it's the eerie atmosphere that makes people hear and see things, but there is a possibility the enslaved mine workers never left. You can visit the Humberstone Museum today. For a few dollars, you can spend as much time here as you'd like. Visiting La Noria is a different story. It's much harder to access, even though it seems entirely open. There's only one real way to get in and out because the roads towards it are blocked. But beware of the fact that this is still a harsh desert. So make sure to take plenty of water with you, because you wouldn't want to get stuck here forever. This story reminds me of if you are from, if specifically if you're from the valley or like anywhere south of Falfurias in Texas, you will know or you will have passed through the town Premont. And there's, I'm not saying this, the entire town because people still live there. <laughs> like, I don't really know too much about the city. So, like, I wouldn't compare it. It's not a ghost town. It is a very, I will say, rural area. But Every time I have passed through there, like back and forth between the valley and like anywhere out of the valley, if you pass through Premont, there's the school there and it's it's an elementary school and it, I mean, it, it looks, it's completely abandoned, the school itself, but it's it's in this city so it just like makes the rest of the city feel that way because it's on like the main road or the highway that cuts through the city you pass through you pass by this school and i've always 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 wanted to like go and explore it (laughs) um but i am too scared even watching those like urban exploration videos on youtube those freak me out even if we know nothing is going to happen and they're there in the middle of the day it scares me back to the original point wow is i've i pass this school all the time and i always see it i'm like god i wonder like what the history is or like even the whole city like i said it's not a ghost town like people still live there people pass through there constantly i have just always driven through it and i really don't know anything about it other than i always see that school and it just gives me this feeling of like it's you know abandoned even though it's just a school anyway if you all know someone or you happen to be someone who's from Premont or who has spent an extended amount of time there please tell me more about it i know i could google it but i think it'd be really cool to hear from someone who has spent some time there but yeah i do also have some letters from the beyond so i'm gonna go ahead and read those now the story is from Monica. Uh, th- thank you for the kind words, Monica. You said I didn't have to read them on the show, so I won't, but super kind words at the beginning of the email. I really appreciate it, and I'm so glad that you're enjoying the show. And Monica's story goes, I wanted to share with you a story my mom told me when I was a kid slash teenager. Picture this. Donna, Texas, 1970s, at my grandparents' old house. May they rest in peace. It's an older neighborhood, so the houses are mostly wooden or cinder block with little AC units sticking out of the windows instead of central AC even now. The power lines hang kind of low in front of everyone's driveway right above where the driveway goes out onto the street. Anyways, 
My mom was born in 1963 and grew up in that house. She was an only child, but both my grandparents have huge families, so there was no shortage of cousins around at the time. It was summer in the mid-1970s, and my mom was hanging out outside with her parents and her cousin, my tia. My grandpa was most likely fiddling with something in the garden, and my grandma was sweeping the dirt off the patio. The two girls were seated on the back of my grandfather's car on top of the trunk, looking out across the street. It was a beautiful, warm summer night, so they and all their neighbors had doors and windows open to let in the cool breeze. On a particular night, the neighbors directly across the street, a couple, were fighting loudly in plain view of everyone outside. My mom says she, her cousin, and my grandparents were all just watching the neighbors fight like it was an episode of Jerry Springer. Apparently, back then this was normal, and I feel like if I tried to do that now, my neighbors would make eye contact and ask me what the fuck I'm looking at. Yeah, probably. And I can't fight, so I would have to run immediately. Monica continues, so my mom and everyone are just being chismosos watching the neighbors as you do when all of a sudden there's the sound of wings. And then there's a massive black owl sitting directly in front of the young girl's faces, big claws sitting on the telephone wires. My mom didn't mention whether she looked at its face, but she says it was so heavy that it dragged the power lines down in the middle, so it was dangling impossibly close to where the girls were perched on the car. Everyone screams. My grandpa runs over and starts grabbing at the girls and pushing them towards the house. My mom and Thea do not need to be told twice. They book it inside. Meanwhile, my grandmother all five feet of her, is swatting at the, this is in all caps, swatting at the lechusa with the broom, trying to knock it off the telephone wire. She's yelling about how we have to catch it so we can find out who it is. She always said if you caught one and said the seven wonders of the world backwards, it would have to turn back. I feel like I've heard that. My grandpa was obviously not on board with that plan, being that he did somewhat enjoy his wife being alive, so he grabs her and drags her kicking and screaming into the house. The lechuza flies off. My grandma forever blames my grandpa for costing her the only chance she would ever get to catch a lechusa. They didn't mention if its face was a woman's face or not, but in my family the story was always told that they could transform their whole body, including face, into the owl in order to hunt their prey undetected. Plus, having lived out on that street for the first seven years of my life, I can tell you there are no wooded areas around or anywhere for an owl to live. Just a lot of old single-story houses and tiny yards. I mean, I'm not a scientist or anything, but I would think an owl big enough to sink down on a power line would need a pretty big area to live. Anyway, to me, it doesn't really matter whether they actually saw a lechusa that night. It is such a good story because it shows exactly who my grandmother was. At that moment, she fully believed that there was a shape-shifting witch who most likely killed for this ability, sitting directly in front of her, and her first move was to try and knock the the bitch out with a broom. <laughs> that is the kind of energy she brought to the table. My grandmother was one of, if not the fiercest woman I've ever met. Her name was Maria Magdalena Alafa Alvarado, and she was born in March of 1932 in Sebastian Willisi County, and she died in September of 2005 in Donna Hidalgo County. If someday I am even half as brave as she was, 
then I'll be damn proud. Siempre. Monica Alafa Alvarado Richardson. P.S. I have my own little Lechusa story, but this one is way better, so I wanted to send you this one. Keep up the good work. Monica, that was so good. Thank you so much. Feel free to send in the other little Lechusa story. You know I would love to hear it. It's always, of course, it's always the 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 matriarchs in the family right who are the bravest like most like confrontational when needed beings in the family i love that so much i have one more story here one more letter from the beyond and this is from michael on instagram thank you for sending us in michael says my mom's tia told her a story about la planchada and it goes she told her that she was a nurse in the 50s or 60s in Mexico City. Apparently, La Planchada was just an incredible and compassionate nurse, and she died in a car accident or a fire. Then she came back to work at the same hospital. The tia said she heard that she would take care of the worst cases and help them out. Then they'd make a miraculous recovery, or she would help them die. My tia was a nurse from the 70s until like 2003 when she retired. She did hear that La Planchada was at a bunch of hospitals in Mexico City too. Michael, thank you for sending that in. In case you all are unsure who Michael is talking about, they are referring to La Planchada from episode 22, and that's a story of this ghost nurse. Highly recommend that story. And Michael, thank you so much for sending that in. Once again, if you all have your own scary stories that you would like me to read on the show, or if you have like a photo, video, an audio recording, anything that you want me to share on like here or on the social medias, please send them to me, either social media DMs or email them to me, or you can leave it in a five-star review. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. As I mentioned earlier, I am so, so very excited to be joining the Sonoro Network. It means so much to me, and I'm so excited for some of the things that I think I'll be able to do now. Make sure that you stay tuned. Check out all of their other shows. They have some really amazing content. Like I said, lots of behind-the-scenes work and lots of things going on there. But yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for this, and thank you all so, so much to everyone who's been listening for such a long time, to all of you who have sent in your stories, who have left reviews, who follow along on the social medias and all of that. I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. I don't think I would have even been noticed or considered to join this network if it wasn't for those of you who listen to the show and follow online. Again, thank you so much. And don't take a wrong turn. Bye. Bye.